Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis with Bible Interact, and today I would like to continue talking about the remnant. In past sessions, I have shown from Scripture that all the children of Israel are God's firstborn son, therefore they are born to a special inheritance called the birthright, but each individual child of Israel had to prove that he or she was worthy of this inheritance in order to actually inherit it. It's a special inheritance for leadership. And if someone is not worthy of that particular inheritance, they still belong to God, they still get an inheritance, but they don't get this special inheritance of the birthright. And then I went on to show that those individuals out of Israel who are worthy to inherit the birthright will be a remnant. Now, God is selecting the remnant. We can't say we want to be part of the remnant. Well, we can, but God is the one who is is selecting the remnant. And he is selecting those who are righteous in his eyes. That does not mean that a person has to be perfect. Fortunately, God only sees the heart. And, uh, and, and as he looks at the heart, he is looking at those who are worthy and prepared to participate in what the remnant is being called to do. Now, in this session, I would like to talk about the role of the remnant. What is the remnant being called to do? They are called to a certain role in, in our lives today, but especially there is a future role, a prophetic role, and we need to see that prophetic role in order to understand God's selection of a remnant, who he's selecting, why he's selecting them. So far, I've only talked about a remnant out of Israel. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk about a remnant out of the church, meaning out of um, those believers in Yeshua who are not Jews. They're, they're called Gentiles, the Gentile believers in, in God's Son. But in this session, I just want to talk about the role of the remnant, both now and in the future. Now, I'm going to start by showing you in Scripture an incredible, powerful army. Now, this is prophetic of something that's, that's still future. In fact, there are two armies. There's a very, very powerful army of Satan that is being built. We can, I can see it. I can see it in Scripture. I'm going to show it to you. And there is also a powerful army of God that is in the process of being built. These are two remnants. They're two remnants that are in the process of forming two powerful armies that are going to clash at some time in the future. Now I'm going to start by showing you Satan's army. And I actually discovered that when I was working on passages that talked about the remnant in the Hebrew scriptures. And... The, those who are going to be part of the remnant are sometimes described as, now I'm going to give you the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word is gibor, plural would be giborim. It means very, very, very strong and mighty. That's what it means. So 
the concept of the giborim, the formation of the army, starts with Satan. <laughs> and it starts in Genesis chapter 6, when we read, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. Now, the Nephilim were giants. And this is describing Satan's army. Satan's army is made up of physical giants. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the Giborim. Now, my uh, Bible translation has mighty men, but the Hebrew word is Giborim. Those were the Giborim who were of old men of renown. So this is the first time that we meet these Giborim, and they're very, very, very strong, powerful, tall giants who are are being formed as and as a remnant. Now they're a remnant because after this came the flood, and the purpose of the flood was to destroy them. But there was a remnant of these giants because we see them throughout scripture after the flood. For example, we see uh, David and Goliath. Goliath was a, was a giant. Goliath was one of this remnant of Satan's giants. And then remember when Moses sent out the 12 spies and they came back very frightened and they said, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. We saw the Nephilim, and the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. They were very gibor, they were very strong, they're giants, they're, they're mighty, they're strong. And this is the remnant of those original giants that were on the earth before the flood. And it's a remnant for Satan. And uh, one of my favorites is Og of Bashan, in Og of Bashan, when Moses was bringing his uh, people up uh, to enter the Promised Land, and they were on the east side of the Jordan River, and he had to fight Og of Bashan, who was um, a, and the, the word remnant is used actually in the text, who was a remnant of the giants. So he, he was one of, of Satan's remnant also. So we have here an army of Satan that are made up of physical giants. Now the army of God are not physical. They're also described as giborim, as very, very mighty, very strong. But they are not giants. They're not physically strong. They are spiritually strong. What makes them spiritually strong is their submission in humble obedience to their Lord God. That's what makes them spiritually strong because when they do that, God is directing the battle. Now, in the future army of God, we see a commander-in-chief who is God's right at God's right hand, that's his son Yeshua, who will be the commander-in-chief of a future battle between these two armies. Those who are in the army of God are a remnant now, the concept of the giborim, these, these mighty, mighty men who are being prepared to be part of the remnant, can first be seen by, in those uh, children of Israel who left Egypt, who were rescued from bondage in Egypt, 
and God rescued them and brought them into the wilderness. What made them gibor? What made them so mighty and so powerful? It was their obedience. I mean, stop and think about it for a minute. If you were living in, in Egypt and you were in servitude, you were slaves, and and God said, uh, you know, I'm the, take this animal, sacrifice it, put the blood of the lamb over your doorpost, and I am going to let this plague of death pass over. You're my firstborn son. All the firstborn sons are going to die, but but I'm going to have the death pass over my firstborn son. So don't even stop to let your bread rise. Just get up and go. Now, would you have obeyed that command? That That's incredible. But the children of Israel obeyed that command, and because they obeyed that command, God was able to rescue them from bondage to remove them from Egypt and to put them into into the wilderness. So they were giborim, that's the plural, they were giborim because of their their obedience to God. They're, they they obeyed him and did exactly what he told them to do in order and then they they were delivered from this bondage. Now, just because they were described as these mighty men with this humble obedience to God doesn't mean that they're all going to be part of the remnant because God then placed them in the wilderness for 40 years. And he said, I'm going to have to train you. I'm going to have to prepare you. You know, I I have a visual image of boot camp. You can't go into battle until you have successfully passed the training in boot camp. And the 40 years of wilderness wandering was a kind of a boot camp. Now, not all of them were prepared after those 40 years. In fact, very few were. All those who were 20 years and younger when they left Egypt were prepared because they were young enough to be trained by God. Uh, But the older ones, it's very hard for those of us who are older. We have to work pretty hard to change. But, of course, God has called us to change, so we're, we're, we're supposed to be changing, but it's not an easy thing to do. And of all those over the age of 20 years who left Egypt, only... Uh, Joshua and Caleb were prepared to enter the promised land. Now, when you see them entering the promised land, what 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 is their role? What do they have to do? They have to conquer the land. They have to defeat the enemy. The enemy are the Canaanites. They have to defeat the enemy. They have to be powerful enough to defeat the enemy. And look at the, the story of, of Jericho. How did they win the battle of Jericho? They were an army of God. And they did it by obeying God. God said, you know, walk around the walls of Jericho. I want you to do it for seven days. And on the seventh day, you know, you're going to do this mighty shout. And the walls are going to fall down. And guess what? They obeyed God. And that's what happened. So this is all a picture in scripture of of God forming his army. And now, taking this word gibor, meaning very strong, very mighty, and applying it to God's army... We see, for example, that David is described, the English translation is a mighty man of valor. The word gibor is in this, it's in the Hebrew. It's been translated a mighty man, but it, it's the word gibor. So David is clearly one who has been chosen by God to be part of a remnant. King Hezekiah is another one who is described as gibor and is, is, will be part of the remnant. All the priests who served in the house of the Lord are described as giborim. So those who are 
are worthy to be part of the remnant are the ones who have totally given themselves to God. They are serving God. They are in humble obedience to God. And and these are in line for God to choose them as the remnant. Now, we don't we don't know whether we're going to be part of the remnant or not because we have to stand faithful to the ends. So and only God knows. Now, and and we talked about the the requirements. You know, what is God requiring of those He is going to select to be part of His remnant? Well, we remember that Noah was the first remnant. You know, in the time of the flood, uh, Noah and his family were left. That's the English translation. The Hebrew word it means remnant. It's it's one of the two words that are frequently used for remnant. So Noah was the first remnant, and he is described as a righteous man. Righteousness is very important to be in line for the remnant, to be worthy of that calling to be part of the remnant, is to be righteous. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It means God only sees the heart, but you... And 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 your walk with God is a process. You become more and more and more righteous the, the longer you live, and God only sees the heart and your desire to, to obey him and to be with him. So Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time Noah walked with God. The word blameless is the Hebrew tamim, which means to be without sin or without blemish. Now that doesn't... But Noah, of course, was not perfect. We talked about that last time. He... Uh, um, remember, he drank wine, and he was uncovered. Uncovered means to be, you know, exposed to sin. You're a sinful person, and God has to cover the sin. That's all the imagery of of being covered. But but God has selected Noah to be part of the remnant because he was a righteous man, blameless in his time. He walked with God, and then also like Abraham, we from Abraham. God commanded Abraham, walk before me and be, it's that same word, tamim, it's to be blameless. But again, Abraham is not perfect. Uh, None of us can be perfect, but we can have a heart that desires to be righteous, that desires to walk with God. And here God says, walk before me, which the sages suggest is... uh, Noah walked with God, so he was walking beside God as God was teaching and training him. Abraham was prepared to walk before God as a leader of God's people, and he walked first. It was is like Joseph; he 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 was a leader of God's people. He could walk before God, before leading all of of God's people. So this is is. It's just a, a description of of this remnant. Now we're talking about a remnant out of Israel. And and I want to I want to talk a little bit more now about the role of the remnant today, and I can see that in a, in a passage actually in in Genesis, and let's see, it's in Genesis chapter eighteen verse nineteen, where God says, "I have chosen Abraham." Now the word chosen is is that verbal root for the birthright. And, and the one who's entitled to inherit that leadership inheritance, that leadership role. And God says of Abraham, I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him. So a role of of those who are worthy to inherit the remnant is to rise up into leadership positions. Now, 
you know, what the world sees as leaders isn't necessarily what God sees as leaders. The world sees charismatic speakers who raise a lot of money. That isn't necessarily what God sees. You know, a woman may be teaching her children and homeschooling her children, and she may be um, in a wonderful relationship with her husband that is a godly relationship. She may be working in her church. She may be teaching. um, Who knows? And and the men, what role are they taking? So it's not necessarily what the world sees as leaders. It's those humble, obedient ones who are serving God. Those are the ones um, who who God is talking about to to Abraham so that Abraham may command his children and his household after him. And how do we do that? We do it with words, but most important, we do it with the way we walk. The way we walk is the greatest witness. If you have put um, Yeshua in your heart, in your life, and, and you are walking in the ways of God, that is the greatest witness and that is the greatest way of teaching. And so he has commanded um, uh, Abraham, uh, let's see, so that Abraham may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord, to walk in the ways of the law by doing righteousness, not by knowing the law, not by knowing righteousness, but by doing it, by walking, by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. God has said that uh, Abraham is going to have these abundant descendants. By the way, if Abraham is righteous, his seed will be righteous. I think, you know, God is is creating righteous seed, and that righteous seed will be the righteous ones of the remnant. So this helps us understand just what what we are to do if if we are going to be worthy of the inheritance of, of the birthright. Now, I'm going to end with something that I find absolutely fascinating, and that is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel when they were thrown into the furnace of the, the burning fire, the furnace of the burning fire. This is a picture. It's a picture, a narrative picture of the future battle. When is the future battle going to happen? I suggest that it will happen after the Millennial Kingdom. I suggest that those in the Millennial Kingdom are the remnant who are undergoing further preparation for the final battle that is going to defeat God's enemy. The reason that I say this is a picture of this future battle between the two remnant armies, the army of Satan and the army of God, is because the word gibor is repeated over and over and over and over again. I think it's in this passage maybe seven or eight times. I mean, when you read it in Hebrew, it hits you between the eyeballs. You can't miss it. You simply can't miss it. And what you've got are two armies of giborim. You have first Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who is a type of Satan. He represents Satan. And Nebuchadnezzar commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army. Now these are giborim. My translation is valiant warriors, which is not a bad translation, uh, but the other translations use men. M-E-N, men. Wherever we see giborim, they've translated men. Man, you 
simply cannot see it with a translation men. <laughs> you can only see it with the original Hebrew word giborim. So Nebuchadnezzar has an army of giborim, and he tells these giborim to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. So, by the way, this, this furnace of blazing fire is the future baptism by fire. There are three baptisms. They're baptism by water, spirit, and fire. And uh, water is, is in times of ancient Israel, symbolic of washing away sin. Spirit is now, right now, when you let the Holy Spirit guide you in the ways of God. And when he guides you in the ways of God and you obey and follow, then you are washing away sin in your life. The baptism of fire is, is something future, and this is pointing to that future baptism of, of fire, which will be future. By the way, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't, you know, all it does is, is purify. It destroys the impure, leaving what is pure. Okay, so we're going back now to our uh, furnace of blazing fire, and it continues. Then these men, M-E-N, the Hebrew word is giborim. These giborim, these soldiers for Nebuchadnezzar, um, oh no, these giborim were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because it says these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, and, and other clothes and were cast in into the midst of the burnace, the furnace of blazing fire. So we, we have giborim describing both Satan's soldiers and also describing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are, are, are pointing us to what Satan's army is going to be. All right? Now, and then we get something really wonderful. We get irony. Irony is tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> and, and we read here, Because the king's command was urgent, and the fire had been made, made extremely hot, the flame of fire slew those men, Giborim, who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In other words, Satan had this fire. It was heated seven times. He wanted to be absolutely certain it was going to kill God's army. And he heated it up seven times. And, and God turns the fire right around and it burns up Nebuchadnezzar's soldiers. That's the irony of it. It's wonderful. Now, there's another uh, part of this story that, that is, is wonderful. I, I can't go without mentioning it. Because Nebuchadnezzar says, what happened here? We threw in three men. But I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Now Christianity has long recognized this as God's, uh, the Messiah that God has, has sent. Now at this time he, he was promising to send. He has sent in Yeshua this Messiah. And, and again it's the picture of of the commander-in-chief of God's army, who is the Messiah, Yeshua, and the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and of course Daniel can't be left out either, who are part of this remnant that will be God's army. This is future. This is prophetic of something that will happen in the future. So how do we live our lives now? The purpose of understanding the future is so that you will stand for God now. There should be no fear, no worry, no concern. When I hear that Left Behind series, I always get so upset because it leaves a lot of fear, worry, and concern with people, either that or pride that they're going to be, you know, they're not going to be left behind kind of thing. If, if you really understand the prophetic future, you say to yourself, 
I want to be there. What do I need to do, Lord, in order to be there? And we've gone through this, um, in this whole series of teachings, where I've tried to help you understand that God is looking for the righteous ones, the ones whose heart desires to submit in humble obedience to him, the one who desires to serve under their Lord. My Lord is Yeshua, my Lord Yeshua. I submit and serve under him. I have learned to communicate with him. I have learned uh, to obey him. Um, I, I have to be humble because am, I have to ask, am I doing the right thing? Because if I do the wrong thing, that's not good. <laughs> so um, with this, I trust you will go into scripture and perhaps with a concordance can look up that word gibor, plural giborim, and take a look at just the formation of these two armies. Now in the, in the next session, I am going to go into the remnant out of the, the church, the believers in Christ. Um, some people think that there will not be one, but I will show you from scripture that in fact there will be a remnant out of believers in Christ. And, um, it, and the same thing that we learned about Israel is going to apply to believers in Christ. It's no different. God is not a respecter of persons. It's going to be the same. I will see you in the next session, and we'll take up the remnant of the believers in Christ. Shalom.